Welcome again to another episode of the Ryan and Norris People Podcast. I'm, of course, Ryan. I am joined by Bree. Um, it's the second time she was on. She's been on with me on the podcast, folks. You know you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Castbox, etc. So, Bree, welcome again to the podcast. You were here in New Orleans celebrate celebrating your graduation. Um, I think you just graduated from what? 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 what call it? it was in North Carolina, right? The graduation. Yeah, uh, Fayetteville State University. Okay. That's a, I know that's not an HBCU. That's um It is. Hard, it is okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I know. I know. I know. There's North Carolina mm-hmm. Central. There's North Carolina AT and A and T. There's Shaw. Yep. Um, Johnson C Smith and Charlotte. John, yeah. There's I had a. Yeah, and then uh, mm-hmm. I had a. I had a scholarship. I was going to go to either Johnson C Smith or. Um, North Carolina A and T. I wanted to go. I wanted to go to an HBCU, but because I had, you know, and I think you and I had talked about this. Before. You're from Tennessee. They got HBCUs there. Yeah, I, I wanted. I actually had. It was North Carolina A and T, Johnson C Smith, Fisk. I also I got accepted to Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee, okay. uh, and then I also got accepted to Tennessee State. And I also got accepted to uh, Jackson State. But, oh, nice. Yeah. So, but I'll, uh, but, but the thing was, um, a lot of people, and I've, t- you've heard me say this on Twitter. I never discredit the HBCU experience. I wanted to go to one, but I was like, when you've gone to predominantly black schools your entire life, K through twelve, you want. I'm like, okay. I want to be, I want to learn how to navigate with white people. I wanted to do that. So that's why I ended up going to, where I went to Christian Burge University. So they got it white people at HBCU. Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, oh, I, I know, I know that. But where I'm, where I'm going by, where I'm going, even though I know this. You wanted to I, change your surroundings. Right. Yeah. Uh, I actually dated a, a white girl that actually went to uh, Tennessee State. She played on the golf team, and we we dated for like two or three like two or three months, and it just didn't go anywhere. We just the vibe was off, and you know that's a story for another day. That being said, um, how how did you enjoy? You know, what did it feel like finishing up your master's? And I think you got in psychology, social work. Social work. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my MSW in social um, masters in social work. Uh, it felt good just knowing that I put my mind in something and accomplished it. Um, did it on time. You know, graduated with honors. Um, so yeah, it just it felt good to to and it feels just it's a big accomplishment. You bring up social work. I think one of the things, what people also did not know. Uh, and I, I think I don't think you ever knew this. I used to work in social work. I have a degree in social work administration, an associates. And um, one thing I do know, you know, we always talk about representation, and we always talk mm-hmm. about representation. We always talk about, it, and it's like a big buzzword the last two years. In terms of African Americans getting into social work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see a market for more African Americans getting into social work after um, what we've gone through for the, for the last two years? Absolutely. Um, 
especially if they want to go the route I'm going, I'm going a clinical route because um, I want to be a therapist. There's absolutely room. There's like the need for it um, in our community specifically. We need black mental health um, care. Like we need that. We need black people in mental health care, period. Absolutely. I, I think one the first time I ever considered going to therapy was 2004. And my mom worked at the University of Memphis. And there was a psychologist. She was a lady. It was a black lady. She knew my mom. And it was the first time I ever seen someone that looked like me be a therapist, you know, be a, like a therapist. You know, when you think of therapists, mm -hmm. you think of white people, you think of white folks. But in this case, this was a black lady. And I remember telling my mom about it. And I was like, she was like all pissed off about it. And, and I think now, and she, I, pissed I think off about? she was pissed off because she felt like I was about 18. So she was like, well, you shouldn't be going to therapy and the, you just need a job. Like I was trying, um, I was having trouble. So gotcha. she was like, you just she didn't, need she didn't approve of the therapy. She didn't think that was something you could benefit from. No, um, hmm. she really was very, um, very against it. So, yeah. uh, so I think the thing also to me, Bree, while it's great to have a, you know, black women in social work, but also you want to see more black men get into social work. Yeah. Um, men in general. Yeah. But you know, especially because, black men. Because I think when you think about, for example, like Donny Hathaway, like Donny Hathaway had mental issues and, you know, if he had been open about it and everything, I think he still would have been here. But back then, you didn't talk about your problems. You held it in and you let and you let it fester. And I think you see that a lot. But even men. now, with the with the you know the popularity and you know getting mental health care and you know especially with black people we're still seeing a raise in the numbers. Like there's still a rise in deaths by suicide in our community. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, I think there's two, there's two people that I always think about. It's Donnie Hathaway and Phyllis Hyman. And they're two of my favorite artists. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Phyllis Hyman, she, When when I say Bree, she was she was such a beautiful woman, but she could not beat her demons. And talking about how, you know, I think with us, and I think with men, a lot of times we don't know how to communicate unless if we're talking about sports or if we're talking about women or if we're talking about something that's manly. We don't know if we if you mention if we talk about therapy or mental health, it's like, oh, my God, what's wrong? I, I think that's the thing we have to get away from. As men. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, um, men definitely need to get comfortable with it. Um, because men, you know, are more likely to die by suicide. So if there's any demographic that truly needs to get with the program and like embrace their mental health and you know accept that 
sometimes, you know, shit is just going to be bad. Like you're going to be depressed. Some people have clinical depression. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, you can take medicine and you can go to therapy, but your body, your, your body, um, chemistry is, you know, is literally off. So there's nothing you can do. You can't pray that away. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that always annoys me so much. Like I talked to my aunt who is like 82 years old and we talked about like joy. And I say, well, joy is the opposite of reckoning. When you have rec reckoning is something that's negative. Joy is something that's positive. And she has this very scratchy voice and I can do it very well. She's like, hey, Ron, Ron, um, you know, you gotta have God and Jesus in you. You gotta have God and Jesus in you. <laughs> she literally said that to me and I was like yes ma'am all I could say was yes ma'am I was like yes ma'am and everything and I, I I I always wondered why do we allow religion why do we factor religion so much when in terms of of, of mental health easy like most things slavery is when that became ingrained into black people religion was all that black people felt they had so it's like, of course, if you like lean on your faith so much, you're going to think that your faith is capable of seeing you through whatever obstacle it is. Absolutely. A absolutely. I remember, you know, I, I think back to my childhood, like my mom would be like, you're going to church every Sunday. You're going to church. And if I didn't go to church, I got to beat him. I remember one time um, in like seventh or eighth grade, um, my mom had, um, I had, I think overslept or something. And she was like, you're going to church. And she sees me, gets the bell and whoops me for not going to church. And the thing is, I look at religion now, I, I look at church as a joke. I, I think the reason why I look at it as a joke is because some of the most foul people in the world are in the church. Some of the most, in my opinion, I believe in a God, I believe in God, but I just feel like church to me, what, why, why should I go like, you know, I go, I go to church and oh, everything's going to be okay. And, and it's like, you go to church so you can learn how to love your fellow man. I'm like, you can learn how to love your fellow man by having tailgates, like the tailgates that we go to, or you can learn to love your fellow man by stopping on the street and talking to them, seeing how their day was going. You don't have to go to church to do all of those things. I mean, and in the Bible, like, what did the Bible say, like, um, where two or more are gathered? So you don't need to be in church to worship. Yeah. Right. I think, I think the one thing, you know, we talked about on the last podcast, we talked about uh, unlearn, unlearning uh, behaviors. And I thought about when I, I used to work at Lucky Dogs and there was a guy named Tiny. His name was Tiny. This was a big dude that looked like one of them guys that you would see out of Central Casting. If you saw someone that was like a redneck from North Georgia, he was from North Georgia. This dude had a hot dog stand at the end of Bourbon, like the end that goes like the gay section, which is 800 block all the way, you know, from St. Anne all the way to like through Maine or like to where um, St. Philip, I would say. So 
this dude is from the backwoods of Georgia. And I kid you not, Bree, he told me this because I knew him for, I knew him for a couple, I knew him, knew him for a long time. He told me, he was like, Brian, before he came to New Orleans, he didn't talk to black people. He was from the backwoods of Georgia. He was like this redneckish ass dude. And he realized, I think, down the road, he somehow learned that, hey, I cannot be this way anymore. And I'm going to unlearn my behavior. And I feel like, you know, you can, in, in that, in that, in that, in that example I'm showing, you could probably learn more about God and, and how to love your fellow man if you listen to him talk about his testimony. And it wasn't in a church. This was on the, on the corner, on a street corner in the fucking French Quarter. And I feel like people view church as this performance thing and it's, they view it as a chore. They don't view it as something that is really optional. I think they view it more as a, as a daily chore. Um, yeah, I can see that. You know, uh, I'll tell you one more story and then we'll move further along. Uh, I went to a church called Fellowship Memphis in Memphis. And uh, there was and there was a guy named Rick Trotter. Rick Trotter was the PA announcer for the Memphis Grizzlies. So here's what happens. I had a porn star as the background on my old my first Twitter account. And this was when you could have backgrounds on your on your Twitter on your Twitter page. Mm -hmm. So his wife has something to say to me about this, please. Then he has something to say about it. And what I did learn was that um, about three months after they said some shit about my Twitter account, he got pop, he got busted for being a fucking creep. The dude would have cameras like in like flower pots at the office, uh, at the office looking up under women's skirts and shit. And you know, oh, and wow. he was a, he was a, he was also a worship leader. He was also a worship leader. So he was said he was standing maybe five feet, five feet back from all the from the women that were singing. And he would have his camera out, his cell phone out, and have it, he would have it where no one could see it. And then he gets fired. He got fired from that church. He goes to another church and does the same shit. And then wow, did they not he, tell him? I mean, tell the new church. They didn't tell the new church. I'm gonna tell you what happened. It was a guy named John. It was a guy named John Bryson. Guy named John Bryson. John Bryson covered a lot of that shit up. He was this guy that did these Fight Club manhood, authentic manhood uh, seminars. I used to go to him. I knew his nephew. His nephew is a good friend of mine. Still is. Um, his whole idea was manhood and everything. It was always about manhood and, and all this other stuff. So this tied into the fact that he also was, uh, he was also, um, he was also the, the, uh, the PA voice of the Grizzlies. 
the church never said anything to the downtown church. The downtown church was at Central Station, which is like the UPT here in New Orleans. It was a train station. So he does the same shit there, right? Five years later, 2016, I'm leaving Brother's Chicken and I'm walking back to my house and I see that, oh, they busted him uh, for, uh, uh, they busted him and he has to register as a sex offender. He also had a porn addiction. Oh God, of course he did. So, he so it, it it was always like do as I say not as I do, and the church I felt protected him and he was married. All right, he was married. His wife was the sister of the former pastor, and then uh, also in addition to that, his father in law happened to be like a, like a mentor to him, but the guy got mad at me. For having a porn star and she was fully clothed Brie. Mm-hmm. she was a she was a she was a porn star she was fully clothed i didn't know she was a porn star he knew it and i'm like it's like looking at it now it's like if you had said here like looking at back at it now it's like this is why i don't go to a church service anymore i think i've been to maybe four or five church services in the last nine years Cause I feel like church is just a building. It's just a building to me. And I feel like you don't have to be in a building to serve God. You don't have to be in a building to love your fellow man. And I also got a little, it was also vindication for me because that dude talked all that shit. God came to collect. Mm. He came to collect. So, in the uh, before you graduated from uh, from North Carolina AT, uh, not North Carolina AT and T, um, Fayetteville yeah, University. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> before you graduated from Fayetteville, um, about two weeks ago, during jazz, the second weekend of Jazz Fest, Kevin Samuels died. Um, and I I, I talked about Was it. Was it on my weeks Yeah, he died. He died. On, he died. He died. I think it was. I think it was. It was on a. Uh, it was on a Thursday. It was on a Thursday. Cause um, I had got okay. home. I had got home, and I didn't. I knew who he was just by what I saw on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I recorded a solo dolo podcast about it, and I wanted to get you on here so bad to talk about this because. To me, uh, Bree, Kevin Samuels reminds me of that dude that said black women didn't want me and they didn't want me because I watched anime or I listened to the Dave Matthews band and he used this unchecked trauma to lash out and to demean black women. And I really want to get your thoughts on that. I really have no thoughts on him because he was a trash person. Um, I feel like most people know how I feel about him. And I'm not going to speak ill on the dead, but um, yeah, he wasn't a good person. And I, th- well, well, that's fair. Like, I mean, I've, I said it, I, I wish I hadn't said it, like, right after he died. You know, I could have just kept it and saying, well, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. 
But I think also the guys, the people that followed him. You know, the Kansas Samuelites. Yeah, like the, the, the Kevin Samuels, the, the Kevin Samuel disciples, the ones that mm -hmm. followed him. Why do you think they followed and listened to him? Why do you think they, they, they don't respect him? women? They don't care. They don't respect women. They really think that um, women can be used up, but they don't see themselves as being used up, even though they probably have nothing to offer. They hate women who are confident, especially if they feel like that woman shouldn't be confident, um, particularly women of a certain size. They feel like women of a certain size shouldn't, you know, I, not only I, I, be confident or have that. standards. They truly feel that way. And it's women and I, who and wouldn't look twice at him. Go ahead. Oh, no, you good. Yeah, that no, I'm just saying it's women who wouldn't even, that, you know, that, that women who wouldn't even give him a chance. You know, that. You know, I think the other. The thing was, I actually brought it up with someone. I said, you know, like with white folks, it's a guy named Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson has the same dresses up in a suit and everything. And it made me think long and hard. We talked about how we were talking about the church. And it made me think hard about how people equate, oh, this guy's wearing glasses. He's wearing a suit. He must be smart as a motherfucker. And... I think back to that and I think back to what we were talking about in terms of the church and I'm like, just because this guy has a suit, just because this guy's wearing glasses, Malcolm X glasses, it doesn't mean that he's going to spout smart shit. You know, I feel like people play these respectability games and they equate a suit and glasses with someone being with, with smartness and they view someone that like like me, I wear basketball shorts all the time. I wear basketball shorts and a shirt. They think if I have a, if you wear a basketball shirt, uh, basketball shorts and sneakers, you're dumb as shit. And I really mm -hmm. want to get your opinion on, on the respectability bullshit. I don't believe in it. Like, I don't believe in respectability politics at all because it's usually when people like pull out that card, it's always about the, the glare of the white person. Like they always bring up what white people may think. White people not thinking about us. So stop thinking about them. Like who cares? Like it's, it gives like cooning. It's like you shucking and driving for the man. I remember, well, someone I, like I, I remember telling Chanel this and I said, this is the stuff that angers me the most. Uh, about when you know people are always saying, well, they should have, you know, they should have been wearing suits and stuff. I'm like, dude, Martin Luther King got killed wearing a suit. Baker Evers got killed wearing a suit. Mm -hmm. The people that got beaten in Selma the way they Montgomery, marched, they were marching in suits and getting attacked by you know the police dogs. dogs. The police. Right, like, a suit don't change shit. Nothing, and I'm just I gonna said, be more comfortable when they beat uh, your ass. Right. I mean, sure, I'll be sweating. Hell, I've only worn I haven't worn a suit in seven years. I'm like, shit. You better beat me in a day. Look, beat me naked. Oh, uh, well, I, that's oh, that was really bad. Oh, that was bad. That was a bad thing to say. But when when I when I said 
when I told Chanel this, I said, here's my whole thing about this. If you don't value me, if I have to wear a suit for you to value my life, then you did not value my life at all. Exactly, because your clothes are not who you are. The way you present yourself is not you who know, you are. It's like, it's sort of like, it's sort of like how, again, when I worked at Lucky Dogs, and I think it really showed me how to deal with other people. And it was like the first day I worked at Lucky Dogs, I walked around and I'm looking like, where am I? Like, this is a far cry because I worked in offices. And the thing that made me change my mind was the, the night manager, um, a guy named Jerry Strahan, he, uh, he had a degree from the University of New Orleans. He's also, he's a, you know, this, conservative dude or whatever but the guy wrote three books he wrote three books about new orleans he wrote books about history and it was a dude that had like this jerry garcia kind of beard guy named uh chris he was a baseball guy and the guy you know he would come in wearing a this black shirt uh black shirt glasses the beard would be like all all over be down here and we used to talk about baseball all the time so it changed my whole perception of it it took my it changed my whole perception in terms of like what respect in terms of respectability politics you know when i came to new orleans i was just like oh my god these people have tattoos on their heads or their faces and i'm like these people must be really terrible people and i'm like you sit down and you talk to these people they are they are probably a lot smarter than what you think. And I think that's the thing we got to get away from is these respectability, the respectability bullshit. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, like, I, cause I've never like cared about that. So I really don't even understand why people, I feel like that's just one of those things that are ingrained in people. Like, you know, it's how they're raised. So their family mm -hmm. just taught them like to care about those things and mm -hmm. instead of just you know being who they are all the time and accepting and loving who they are right right and like, I... if you don't love who you are like others aren't going to if you don't respect yourself others aren't going to but you at least need to respect yourself. And I feel like you don't really respect yourself if you care about how you're going to look to others who don't care about you. Like, it's stupid to me. I think so too. And I think you also bring up a good point because it was like how I was raised. And I think for me, it was like, you know, I didn't get tattoos because, you know, I think the reason why I don't like now I can tell you I don't get I don't get I don't have a tattoo because I don't like needles, even though I'm, you know, did get the COVID vaccine and the booster. But I think also my whole perception of things was shaped by how I was raised, which goes into our next point and our next topic, which was uh, we talked you talked about preferences and um I think, you know, I talked in general a little bit about my mom and I also remember talking on a Twitter space. I did not allow how my mom was towards me to hate. Uh, I did not allow, allow that to shape my view on women 
because mm -hmm. I knew every woman wasn't like my mom. But given everything that I had just discussed to you and the whole running joke about me dating white women, and I've only dated two white women in my entire life, um, would you say that the way I was raised, do you think that shaped how I date or who I dated in my life? Absolutely. Um, that goes for anybody. Like that, like socialization starts at home. It starts in our youth. Um, what you see, um, what you value from like from what you see, um, it plays a role into it. Like, um, I don't know, like the healthy or the unhealthy relationships that you saw growing up all those things play a part all those things play a role in our decisions to you know eventually date and find partners now if you're right. just you know seeking out a certain type that also you know stems from something because it's like why like whole preference thing people like really get upset when you when you like call them out on something and it's like there it's a cop out to be like oh it's just my preference okay, all right, cool. You're entitled to have a preference. We all are. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with having a preference. Don't get me wrong. But usually you can explain why you have said preference. Usually said preference is because of something, be it negative or positive. Mm -hmm. But you're usually able to, like, explain you know why your preference is your preference like I can my preference an ice cream I love cookies and cream or I like um uh, ice cream with like brownies in it I love chocolate so when I'm eating something sweet like ice cream I want it to have chocolate in it so that's my preference well, I same prefer to me. date same way with me I prefer to Same date black, like, because I want to be able to relate to, like, my partner. I I need to mm -hmm. be able to do things like wear bonnet and not be questioned why I wear bonnet. I need to be able to say certain colloquial, um, like, what? I just got tongue-tied. I, I need to be uh, able to say certain things, you know? Yeah, I need to be able right. to, you know, and, and that's okay. Certain and things that's of a culture. Fine. So that's why you know, that's and my preference. Yeah. You know, I and I and I feel the same way. I mean, and it and the, and I explained to someone for the record, I've dated like I explained this to people on the pop. I've explained it to people numerous times. Practically every all the women I've dated have only had maybe seven serious girlfriends in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. All but two were well three were black one was asian one was uh was was latino and two were white and the running and and i think with me i want a woman that you know i i think for me in the, the preferences and just give you an idea i have a step i had a stepmom i have a stepmom that completely hates me right she's mm -hmm. had four she got four baby she got four baby daddies my dad is one of them and i knew and i think from an early age 
I did not want to have a woman, date a woman that had so much baggage that I could not deal with it. Like if mm. you go, if we're gonna be a if we're gonna start a family, if we're gonna start a family, you know, either you're all in or we can't be together. And it's like the yeah. vibe is just not not there. And I think also the way I saw how my mom treated people, I did not want that. You know, I did not want that. You know, and, and and we're talking about, you know, you tell your mom, you tell like I would one time I told my mom she had fainted at work, sent her a letter, and I said to her, I sent her a letter, and I say, listen, you're 64 years old, you're not 44, you're not 34, you're 64 years old. And I remember telling her about her help and just being in a respectful way. She was like, got all pissy with me. And I was like, okay, have at it. You know, it's those kind of things that I did not want because I never saw like a healthy, like what a healthy relationship looked like growing up. I never saw that. I never, you know, there was some things that my mom did that were good. And I, 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 and that's why I always tell people that's why I remember. But in terms of like healthy relationships with the opposite sex, I never really saw it in that growing mm -hmm. up. So. Not from anywhere, like no one in your like life. I would say. Like no grandparents, uncle. My grandparents, my grandparents, yeah. You know, my grandparents, yeah. Cause my grandfather and grandmother, uh, they were married for 38 years. They were married for 38 years. But my grandfather died when I was like six, seven years old. He was like, I lived, you know, uh, my grandmother primarily raised me. And um, my grandmother, she didn't date again or anything, you know. She outlived my grandfather by six, more, by six years. And it took me moving to New Orleans to see how a family operated, you know, I, and, and, you know, and the examples I see around me, like, you know, uh, my friends, Kate and Dave and Aaron and Britt and, and uh, Candace and Andrew, um, uh, Candace and Andrew, who don't live, who don't live that far from me. I saw more examples of it here in New Orleans than I did in Memphis because mm. I never, because you know, my mom will always get mad at me saying, well, you was never shown the concept of family. How can you be shown? How can I know about something when I never was, when, when I never saw it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and it took me a while to kind of like understand that. Uh, and then that's why I thought about, I thought when you talked about that on Twitter, I was like, that's what I, that's the stuff that, that made me think. It's like, why do I, why did I date this woman? Why did I date that woman? Why didn't I date this woman? And it went back to what you were talking about, which is preferences. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people, if you tell them, you know, if you ask them, why do you do the things that you do? They think you're picking on them. Yeah, because people don't want to be confronted. Like people don't want to be confronted with like their truth. And it's like, how dare you address something that I'm not trying to address? Absolutely. I, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about in terms of like unlearning behaviors. And it's like, 
We, we, mm -hmm. we talked about this uh, 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 in March. It goes back to unlearning behaviors. Like the reason why you won't, don't want, the reason why you don't want to change is because you're too stubborn and you view this as, uh, as, a, as, a, as an attack on your ego. When in reality, it's not, we, you know, you have to get with the times. And if you don't, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, people, I don't know what it is. People just never want to accept like that, what they're doing, you know, it may, it, you know, it is deeper than they want others to know. And it may be something that they themselves acknowledge, but they don't want everyone else to know about it. Like the whole preference, like, especially when it comes to like colorism. Oh, people hate when you bring that up. Like people hate oh when you say that them having a preference in a certain skin tone, usually light skin tone, let's be honest. Um, like that, that is colorism like they don't want to admit that like they don't want to admit to being you know i don't i don't know if it's just like a new orleans or a southern thing but you know they don't want to admit to being color struck i'll give you an example yeah. i'll give you an example um you know our girl shay like our girl shay and and mm -hmm. our girl shay and, and chanel and it's like growing up as a kid when you thought of aka's for example you never saw any that were brown skin. I didn't see any that were brown skin. Every time I thought of, oh, they're AKAs, they're light skin. And then the Deltas and the Zetas were dark skin. I've been representation on TV for that. Yes. Like, for example, pa Pam and Gina. Like, we all thought everybody I mean, thought. The first thing I think about is school days when you like just brought that up. Oh yeah. The, yeah, the Spike Lee joint. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I love yeah. that movie. That's like one of my favorite Spike Lee movies. That and Mo Better Blues, and Malcolm X. Like Mo Better Blues is is definitely on my. I tell people all the time, if you ever want to see a true Spike Lee movie, Mo Better Blues. It had so it was fun. It was funny. It made you cry. It made you think. It made you. It was everything. It was like everything. And also I love Jungle Fever, like because of the soundtrack. But you're but you're absolutely right because I think people don't like to acknowledge that someone like this, like uh Shay and and Chanel would be lauded as the standards of beauty. And then women that have your your skin tone, they're not gonna be, they're gonna be they're not going to be held in that same regard. And I think back to uh, the civil rights movement. And this is a, this is a, one of the most ironic things. I had a conversation with Annie Apple, Eli Apple's mom about this. Mm. We talked about uh, Claude, I think, I don't, I think it was Claudette Clothing. Claudette mm -hmm. Clothing. The one who was first to sit on the, the bus before Rosa, yeah. Yes. She was, but she was a dark skinned pregnant, she was a dark skin, dark skinned pregnant woman. And I always wondered how she would have been viewed if she had been light skinned because Rosa Parks was light skinned. I still think she wouldn't have been able to be the, the, 
you know, the start, the setting, the starting point because she was also a pregnant teenager. Mm-hmm. That so makes sense. It was like a double whammy. That makes that makes sense because I think like that point right there, like that would have been the red flag if she mm-hmm. had been, especially in them times, underwear, yeah. you know, pregnant teenager. Yeah, even if she was light skinned, they would have not. Yeah. So that so that that makes a lot of sense, but but I also do think, and me and Annie Apple had a conversation about this. I think also you see it so much now, even in politics, like with who with AOC. Like AOC is always on TV, but you don't never see Lauren Underwood, who is uh, from suburban Chicago, uh, and uh, Chantel Brown. You don't never see them on TV, but you always see AOC on TV because she's mm-hmm. a white passing Latina. It's it's the racial ambiguity. For, like they love white people who are racially ambiguous. They love putting them front and center because also the white gaze yes they think about who is you know who who we won't scare off the white holes with essentially is what what they give when they you know make certain people you know spokes the spokesperson for shit like for for example uh uh scam uh scam uh, what how do you pronounce like scam luther king Oh, oh, uh, Talcum X. Yeah, Talcum X, Talcum X. I also call him Booker T. Scamerton. Mm. Booker T. Scamerton. I also think, uh, I also think also, I also think also very, I always think about this long and hard. It's like, we as peop, as a people, we don't like to be confronted with truth. And mm-hmm. I think the thing to me is, you tell someone that they're doing something wrong, our ego gets in the way of being like, hey, you're right. And I give you an example, uh, an example to this. It's, um, I'll use a Saints example. Uh, Patrick Payton, he was talking about, I like our wide receiver room. Oh God. <laughs> and he could not allow his ego to be humbled enough to realize we had a wide receiver problem. They were getting bankers and bums off of St. Charles Avenue to play wide receiver for the Saints. And I think, yeah, uh, his name's Patrick Bree. I don't call him Sean. his mama named him Patrick. His mama oh, named so him Patrick. So now, now you call him Patrick all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick. I don't call him Sean. He don't deserve to be called Sean. Nope, nope. Uh, Patrick. I don't know a Sean. I know a Patrick baby. But it was. It's the thing that we 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 don't uh, we don't admit. We don't like when we are confronted with truth, and we don't like when we're told that we're wrong. You know, and it's a very hard thing. And I think you have to have a humble heart to understand that you're in the wrong. And I think, and I and I, I would love to get your closing thoughts on that. On what? On, on, what, on being confronted with truth and walking um, in, the, in our truth. It really, like, so me personally, like my, my opinion on being confronted with truth, it's um i mean i guess it depends on what that truth is 
like if it's a truth that you are working on getting through and you've been, you know, just kind of wearing the mask in life and, you know, just getting by, uh, it's, it's not as hard to accept that just because it's like, you know, it's something you already confronted. So it's like, okay, you right, I'm working on this. But if there's something that you're like just completely in denial about, you are not going, like people won't respond well to it because it's not something that they're ready to even face themselves. So if you bring something to their front door that they're not, you know, they're not ready to open the door to, that's just going to cause, that's going to cause more issues. Right, right. Bree, thank you so much for dropping by the podcast. Folks, you guys know that the podcast will be up on tomorrow, May 20th. No, not tomorrow, but Saturday, May 21st. And next week, May 24th, May 25th, I'll be joined by Camille from Broadmoor. We'll be talking about Tulane baseball. As always, thank you for your time this time. Until next time, we will see you down.